0: Welcome to Jumping Bomb Audio. Welcome back to Jumping Bomb Audio, the best Joshi podcast in the entire world. That's right, I said it. And my name is Taylor, as always, I am joined by the man who earlier today told me he was going to purposely antagonize me on this show. Uh, I'm joined here by Kelly. Kelly, uh, salutations.
1: You know, Taylor, I had forgotten I was going to do that, but you reminded me. So guess what? All right, it's time to talk about what our personal matchups would be in a Stardom versus Dimitri Super Supercard. All right, uh, so we got to go first off. Who is Liv Morgan wrestling? Who is she going up against? I'm thinking Ruwaka.
0: Oh, we know that you we know you love Ruaka. Really, That was overly mean to Featured Liv Morgan.
1: Match. I'm sorry, Liv Morgan. I have nothing against you. I don't know if I've actually ever seen you have a match. Uh, so my apologies.
0: Well, I guess I I guess I caused that to happen to myself. Yep, we'll uh, if you want to, if you want to tweet at Kelly any ideas you might have for a Stardom versus WWE show, you can do so at Comic Geek Kelly. Yep. Uh, what you shouldn't do is tweet them at J Audio, which is our Twitter account, or tweet them at my Twitter account. Tamebo, T A M A I M B O. Send them all directly to Kelly.
1: Seth Rollins versus Hamika.
0: <laughs> okay, I just had to leave. I had to leave some silence uh, there. Uh, anyway, I almost if you're called liking... him Tyler
1: Black. <laughs>
0: I haven't called oh, him boy. Tyler
1: Black in years.
0: They haven't called him Tyler Black since what, like 2009?
1: Yeah, I don't know why that almost came out of my head. (laughs) Well, sometimes
0: you just have a flashback. But if you're liking what you're hearing (laughs) and you're listening to this episode and you haven't done so yet, you should also subscribe to us on whatever your podcast app of choice is. And if that podcast app of choice is Apple Podcasts, be kind and give us a five star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. And if you're feeling extra generous, you can go to redcircle.com slash show slash jumpingbombaudio and donate to us there. So an exciting show. We got two big shows to cover. The first is the Tokyo Joshi Korakin Hall Show from November 25th and also the Stardom Show from Tokyo on November 27th. Hard to believe it's almost December, so we will start first uh, with Tokyo Joshi's all-rise show from Corkin Hall in front of 437 fans, and I start, as always, asking Kelly, Kelly, what'd you think of the show overall?
1: I thought it was a really good show. That was a a fun way to spend my uh, Thanksgiving afternoon.
0: Um, it's funny because sort of the first half of the show, I was sort of enjoying, I was like, yeah, this is a nice show, but it was sort of very, um, just sort of mid-level for me. Like I was enjoying it, but I wasn't really blown away, um, by a lot of it. It feels very much like Kelly, I don't know about you, but we've now reached the end of November. And I always think of sort of the end of November, to the end of the year as sort of this sort of cool down period in wrestling, especially in um, Japan, uh, especially where I'm just sort of like, it doesn't feel like a lot of the bigger shows are happening. There are still a few big shows, uh, especially with stardom's big ramped up schedule, but it's felt sort of like the more laid back show. And then I thought the top, few matches really delivered uh pretty well and so i also um, enjoyed the show uh the show kicked off with a tag team match marika kobashi and mocha miyamoto defeating ariso endo and suzume in 10 minutes and 42 seconds kelly what'd you think of this match
1: I thought it was a really strong opener. Um, I was actually kind of surprised to see uh, Suzume and Endo lose just because they're more of, like, I guess, the established team at this point. But like uh, Kobashi and Mocha work together really well, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them keep tagging together.
0: Yeah, I think they're also two people who have sort of, as we've talked about them on this podcast, have been a little up and down where they're not, Uh, super consistent yet but i thought that they both had good i thought they were sort of the good versions of themselves in this match yeah Um, i was a little disappointed because i was really looking forward to this match because i think the endo Suzume team is very good and i was interested to see uh, mocha and marika I was a little bit disappointed it was the first match just because those matches tend to be the most sort of straightforward. Like, let's just go out and have a match, um, you know, warm up the crowd. I was hoping it would happen a little later, although it it makes sense looking at the way the, the rest of the card was laid out that it happened here. But I also thought it was a, you know, a pretty solid effort. And I was also surprised to see Endo and Suzume lose Especially the way commentary was talking them up about their more experienced team and they could be you know, doing things in the way that Suzume has gotten these opportunities uh, over the past few months. I thought that they would it would be sort of an easy win for them, but uh, maybe Tokyo Joshi looking to do some more stuff with Kobashi and Miyamoto.
1: Yeah, that'd be nice because yeah, I, I really enjoyed that team together.
0: The next match was uh, what I would consider sort of the traditional Tokyo Joshi opening match. Haruna Neko, Mihiro Kiryu, and now Kakuda defeating Palm Harajuku, Raku, and Yuki Aono in 10 minutes, very similar time 10 minutes and 38 seconds. Uh, this to me was sort of your classic. Uh, This felt like sort of the classic opening match on these Tokyo Joshi shows. Uh, Sort of the less experienced, some of the less experienced wrestlers sort of just kicking them, kicking the show off, getting some people who wouldn't necessarily get on the card otherwise into a match. Um, You know, didn't think much of the match itself. I thought it was mostly fine. I thought actually Haruna Neko looked really great near the end uh, and then picked up the win uh so yeah just sort of if you've seen a tokyo joshi show and you've seen sort of these six-person openers eight-person openers that's what this was
1: yeah i really was not expecting Nako to pick up the pin like that's kind of crazy i wonder if this means anything like they'll keep pusher a little bit more or something who knows but uh yeah overall fine match uh it, the, I felt like the match kind of lost me a little bit as it went, but uh, it was fine. I went two stars on it.
0: Yeah, it feels to me sort of like Haruna Neko, Kiryu, and Palm Harajuku are sort of just at that level where I'm not even really sure that like a win does anything at this point.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: It just feels sort of like they're so... I mean, not to be so derogatory, but they're so below sort of that, ne- what I consider sort of the next level, which I think would be, you know, like the the sort of younger rookies like Yuki Arai, um, Endo, that is sort of the next level to me. And Haruna Neko is so far from that, just almost solely even from the way that she's booked uh, until obviously this win that. It just seems to me like, hmm, that's, you know, it's interesting, but it could just be, hey, let's give this person this win. They're always in these matches, you know, will be a fun surprise.
1: It's kind of wild to see that uh, Raku and Aino were on the losing side of that match.
0: Yeah, they're two, and, and this is going to come up later with Tenma, but, you know, Raku and Yuki and ten we'll talk about are sort of in this weird position where at a t- it feels like we're at a time when a lot of people are actually sort of moving up the card and the three of them sort of feel like people i'm not sure i don't have a grasp of what the company thinks of them um because they seem to sort of get booked well but then they don't yeah <laughs> seem like it's it's not like they're like oh my god we have to like look out for these people like they'll get opportunities and then all of a sudden it's like oh now they're on the losing side of this you know six person tag um or like tenma always seems to be sort of on the cusp of something like commentary was talking about this like oh she's turning into singles wrestler she's getting these opportunities but then she sort of loses and it's like well uh oh well
1: yeah, it's like, what uh, What are we... Because, yeah, I thought for sure that match was made for... I mean, we're skipping ahead just a tiny bit, but I thought for sure, like, Tenmo was winning that match. So it's like, oh, okay, I guess they're just stuck in their lower tier gatekeeper roles, I guess. Yeah, and it could just
0: be possible that with who they have now, that they, you know, are saying, well, these are people who we don't feel are strong enough yet to move up the card, so they're just going to stay here. Um, 10 was the person who sort of sticks out the most to me just cause it seems like she's been the most featured in terms of like, she's moving into singles and she's trying to, you know, move up and prove herself. And it feels like that hasn't happened at any point. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, again, these six person tags, you know, two months from now, if I said, Hey, what was that six person tag from the November 25th Cork and Hall show, <laughs> I'm not sure either of us. I mean, we probably could guess based on who usually is in them. But, you know, who won? It just seems like these are more like just get people on the card, get a nice win for Neko, who doesn't often win or have a sort of featured spot. Sort of how it feels to me. Yeah. The next match was the happy lucky quiz match between Yuki Kamafuku and Hyper Masao. Yuki pulling out the victory in 10 minutes and 8 seconds. Uh, This match started with Yuki taking the mic. Usually Hyper Masao is on the mic, adding rules to her matches. But this time it was Yuki who laid out that the match could either be won by answering three correct trivia questions about Uh, yuki's life or of course as usual uh, getting a three count pinfall Uh, it went to a it was two nothing in the quizzing section at the beginning uh, with yuki obviously doing better than hyper masao at quiz questions (laughs) about her own life and then broke down into a traditional wrestling match for a bit i'm not sure if uh now looking at the 10 minutes and eight seconds i'm not sure if the 10 minutes and eight seconds includes the trivia portion of the match or if it is just the uh actual wrestling portion i believe it's the whole
1: part yeah it, it, it should include that, like the bell yeah, rang it should inc- <laughs> it
0: should include it it was technically part of the match uh but now i'm doubting myself but kelly what'd you think of this match
1: I did enjoy Masao was just like, you know what, let's give it a shot. We'll see if I can beat you at trivia about yourself. But yeah, this is one of those matches that without the English commentary, it would have just been completely incomprehensible nonsense. And in this case, then it was it was just nonsense. It was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. I was confused that they start... So it was the first person who
0: had three trivia questions right would win the match. And they asked two... And then Hyper Masao got up to yell at the uh, announcer and Yuki tried to pin her with a roll up, but they had asked the third question, the third trivia question. <laughs> so if I would have been Yuki, I just would have found a piece of paper and been like, okay, the third trivia question was, I don't even remember what the third trivia yeah.
1: question was. Just write down like, the answer just and win. Write
0: down the answer and answer it still because they were like, oh, we're taking away... They had a table in the ring. They're like, we're taking away the table. I don't know if the official rules were you had to be sitting (laughs) at the table in order to answer the quiz question, but I thought, oh, once you sort of fail at getting the roll-up, I would just find a piece of paper and be like, the answer is this. Yeah. Um... But yeah, a fun... You know, a fun match, What exactly what you would sort of expect from a Hyper-Masau match. (laughs) Uh, I feel like these things never really... You know, with some of the comedy, like DDT comedy and Tokyo Joshi comedy, like sometimes, um, and this is probably, as you said, helped by the fact that we knew exactly what was going on because we had the English commentary, but sometimes the comedy is sort of like, ah, we get the joke and like, now move on, please.
1: Here's the joke for another five minutes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it feels like with Hyper, Hyper Masao is very good at not, overextending whatever the joke is. Like I liked it. It was like, okay, here's two trivia questions. And then we go out and it's just like a wrestling match at this point. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if they did this in DDT, I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, okay, you have to answer 15 trivia questions (laughs) and they do like nine of them. And you're like, okay, I get the, you know,
1: yeah, no, definitely
0: very funny. You know, it was like a couple minutes of trivia and then it was a wrestling match. Um, so I also enjoyed it, you know, hard to be like, Oh, what a great, you know, what a great wrestling contest (laughs) they had. Uh, Yeah.
1: It was like a, that was a, a really good two and a half star match
0: and really good, you know, to have it in the bot, you know, some variety before we got into a bunch of singles matches just to have something. I mean, this, the first, this was also a singles match. So good to have a little bit of variety. Um, you know, to break up sort of like, here's a singles match, here's a singles match, to have a little bit of fun with this one. So, yeah, enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, the one time in DDT that I, I will totally give them a pass on the jokes going far too long is whenever Antonio Honda is in the ring with Yukio Sakaguchi, because Sakaguchi legitimately, you can tell, he thinks Honda is like the funniest person in the world, and he just laughs so much, and it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs>
0: The next match, the second of four consecutive singles matches, Shoko Nakajima, as we mentioned uh, just a few minutes ago on this very show, Shoko Nakajima defeating Nadoka Tenma in 16 minutes and four seconds, which is a lot longer than I would have guessed had you asked me at the end of the match how long the match was. Um, So really flew by. I thought that this was a very solid match. I thought that Tenma uh, really did very well as someone who um, isn't necessarily a huge fan of Tenma. I don't dislike her, but never really uh, not someone I'm like eagerly seeking out, but I thought that she did really well um, and sort of to go back over what we already talked about. It was just a little confusing. Like I understand that Shoko is sort of at the top of the, she's sort of in that top rung of uh, wrestlers in Tokyo Joshi, So it makes sense that she wins because she's one of the best, but it just seems to me like the story is, or at least the story that the English commentary seemed to be pushing was like, Tenma's trying to prove herself. She's trying to break into the singles ranks. You know, she's had success in the tag uh, division. And it just seems to me like it's not happening.
1: Yeah, it makes me wonder if at some point the plan was for Tenma to win, and that's kind of like why they went so hard in telling that story on commentary.
0: Yeah, but it just, uh, I mean, I guess, I also don't, I also have no idea, I should say, if, you know, it would not surprise me at all if Tokyo Joshi just went, Chris and uh, Bali, and here's a mic, like.
1: Probably, yeah.
0: Like, go for it. (laughs) They may have no idea what, what you know, this, the quote-unquote story is. Now, some of these stories are sort of, I mean, they're pretty straightforward, um, but I don't know. Maybe it's just that they're like, oh, we can have Tenma do this thing and she won't be successful, and this is just sort of a waiting period until she can reform the Bakuretsu sisters. I don't know. Um, it's also just interesting at a time when it seems like a lot of these wrestlers in Tokyo Joshi are sort of getting these opportunities uh, in terms of um, international princess title opportunities that she seems stuck at this level of, she doesn't seem like, I don't even know what level really she is. If you were like, okay, she's at the level of like, is she an international princess title challenger or is that sort of Beneath her, because she's been, you know, she's been a tag champion. She sort of had these opportunities. Like, I just don't really know. Maybe it's that they don't think that she's quite ready for the top tier yet, and that's where they want to put her.
1: Yeah, it's uh, weird. There is a big disparity in like where her ranking in the company is between her singles and tag. Cause, it, yeah, cause like you mentioned, tag, she's pretty high up there, but like singles you take the team away and she falls way down the list.
0: Yeah. And I don't know if it's, you know, we've sort of moved into this new period or have been in this new period of Tokyo Joshi where it's a little bit more, you know, in ring centered or, you know, we have more wrestlers that are able to go in ring and maybe that they look at and they say, well, yeah, they were tag champions, but that was sort of, you know they were just tag champions but for a brief amount of time that maybe it's like okay this is sort of like an old guard champion team back before we had all of these very highly skilled wrestlers um but yeah i don't know and it just seems like tenma and uh and yuki are so defined by the team that it's like I see them and I'm like, oh, they're doing There's It's still like, oh, they're doing a singles match. They're not tagging together. Um, but I don't really know like what the solution is, obviously, other than I would imagine having them win some singles matches, which aren't happening. <laughs> the next match. The last of the non-title matches, Rika Tatsumi defeating Yuki Arai in 13 minutes and 54 seconds. This match, a reschedule of the previously scheduled Tatsumi Arai match from, I believe, August that was postponed. Uh, Kelly, what did you think of this match?
1: I thought this was fantastic. Uh, it was really just Really good, well put together, veteran versus rookie match. Uh, Araya's gotten so good in such a quick amount of time. I really think Tokyo Joshi has something with her. She's supernaturally talented. Came into the company with a following already. Really, it seems has a drive to keep improving. Like they've, I think they've got something with her, and I loved this match. I went three and three quarters. I think now retroactively I'd probably bump it to four, but yeah, I thought this was a great match.
0: Yeah. I think I'm right around where you were. I really liked the sort of story of this match of Rika going after the legs of Yuki Arai, obviously with her, uh, doing the, the, having the kicks, you know, I think that's a really interesting story and I think it's a really interesting sort of, uh, addition to the usual, you know, veteran rookie story, which is like, I'm more prepared than, you know, I'm a veteran. I'm more prepared than you. I like the idea of someone going out and being like the thing that you do, because largely, you know, we've seen Yuki Arai wrestle in various situations, but the thing that has stuck out, at least to me, has been the, the kicks. That's really her sort of like highlighted offensive maneuver, I'll say. Yeah, for sure. And I like coming out and having the idea being like, well, I'm a veteran and I have totally solved, like, your thing. Your thing is kicks. Okay, I'm going to target the legs and now you have no kicks and now you have no chance of beating me. And I like the idea. I don't know if Tokyo Joshi will do this, um, but I like the idea of that sort of being the spur for someone to improve or debut, you know, Further offense or different offense saying, you know, last time I went out, you know, targeted my legs. I couldn't do anything because I didn't have my kicks because I couldn't do the kicks. And now I'm, you know, driven to expand my style. Again, I don't know if that's what they'll do. I don't know if I'm thinking like bigger than they are. Um, but I just really like the story. You know, obviously, I think with a rookie, I thought the selling was pretty good. With the leg stuff, it was slightly inconsistent, um, especially sort of later in the match when it was sort of getting close to the end and it's like, okay, I sort of have to do these now and then I'll sort of sell later. Um, So it was, uh, you know, excellent for how experienced she is. I thought Rika did really well. Rika sort of had that... um, like Hiroshi Tanahashi thing, which we talk about sometimes, which is like, you have to go out, you're facing a rookie, and you're not necessarily being a heel. You're not, you know, yelling at the crowd or anything, but you're sort of being heelish. And I thought that she was very good at that.
1: Yeah, you're being a slight bit meaner than normal.
0: (laughs) A slight bit meaner, but also like smiling at the audience still which I think uh, was really fun. So I, I think I was probably around where you were, like three and three quarters, uh, just because I thought it was super fun uh, and, and a great match. The first of two title matches was the International Princess title match where Hikari Noah defeated Miyu Watanabe in 11 minutes and 43 seconds. I have to say that halfway through this match, I thought to myself, Miyu Watanabe should win this match. I thought she looked really great. I think that she, you know, she sort of has a personality that meshes with a lot of the other, um, Tokyo Joshi wrestlers, but the, her style of wrestling is so different. The power, the sort of power, you know, lifting, um, you know, being able to lift people the way she does doing the spin. I really like the, um, I don't even remember what it was out of, but her doing the spin, uh, the airplane spin out of a submission hold. I think it was.
1: Oh I thought yeah. Was yeah. Really
0: cool. And she's just able to do a lot of things that really no one else in this company can do. Even the sort of other wrestlers who you might consider in Tokyo Joshi, like power wrestlers. I think that she has, she really has the strength to do a lot of really impressive things. I thought she looked really impressive in this match. I'm not necessarily like, I don't necessarily disagree with Noah winning, but I just thought Watanabe looks so good. I thought it would be like a great, like she looks great. She wins the match. She gets that big sort of moment, but uh, didn't happen. Still thought the match was really, uh, really strong. I went four stars. So, uh, I enjoyed it. Kelly, what did you think?
1: I also went four stars on it. I thought it was great. I really loved the storytelling kind of going back to their debut match and integrating how well they know each other. There is a small part of me th- wondering if they were going to run some kind of angle in the up, up girls performance before the show <laughs> leading up to this. And I was kind of disappointed they didn't, but I, I get why, but yeah, this match was awesome. I, 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 there was a point where I was just like, you know what? Either one can win, and I'm fine with it. Uh, the Blizzard suplex, both times that uh, Hikari did it looked awesome, and especially the one from the top rope. Uh, like, I really, really like that move, and she always has a crazy bridge with it. Yeah, this, this was great. Uh, another stellar match, two in a row here.
0: Yeah. And I will say, I do think at the end, I think just the, the quality, I think that this was a, the sort of match that Akari Noah needed. You know, we yes. talked about when we were previewing the show that it was like, we were sort of unsure about the rain. And I think that this was the sort of match that she needed. You know, she looked good. Watanabe looked good. It was a good match together. Um, and now she has the uh, record for, successful defenses with the title which is um like shocking to me but then i think about it and i'm like well that does make sense
1: yeah Um, and we were kind of talking about that on the last episode so uh chris or aki if you're listening thank you
0: uh shout out shout out your boys yes and great on commentary again i think you know i will say i think their original english commentary team that they had was good but i think that um, Chris and Bali are really mesh stylistically with Tokyo Joshi. 100%. So, so I think that they have been very good. I think that they're able to get across information, you know, call the matches, but also not seem like they are just sort of like, we have to get this information out. They're able to sort of naturally, they have good chemistry together. Um, so I think they're great. Again, I'll say it. you know, if you haven't watched Tokyo Joshi or you haven't watched with the English commentary, usually I am a uh, Japanese commentary person uh, just generally, but I always listen to the English commentary on these Tokyo Joshi shows because I think uh, it's a lot of fun and it adds to the it adds to the show.
1: Yeah, it's it's just like watching the show with your friends. The
0: main event, Of this show was for the princess tag team titles where the uh, defending the defending champions defended the champions defended their titles successfully the magical sugar rabbits of Mizuki and Yuka Sakazaki defeating the one 2 one million team of Maki Ito and Miyamashita in 24 minutes and 17 seconds. Kelly I'm very interested uh, based on my own thoughts on this match I'm very interested to hear what you thought of this match
1: I loved this match. Uh, these two these two teams are the top four people in this company for a reason. Uh, I thought this was awesome the honestly my favorite part about it is almost is the post match almost an immediate post match like the bell rings. And just the disappointment in Maki Ito's body language was so perfect. And especially because it was Mizuki of all people to beat Yamashita, which she couldn't do, like just completely deflating to Maki Ito. I thought that was an incredible touch. Uh, the the match was just really hardly fought. I thought everyone kind of laid their stuff in, and it looked nasty. Just awesome, awesome match. I went four and a half stars. I loved it.
0: So it's funny because we spent a lot of time after uh, Ito lost to Yamashita, being like, "Well, what's the idea? Like, what's going on here?" We thought that that was the win and it was funny because the minute that they came out for this match in my head I went oh Yamashita's going to lose yep <laughs> and Ito's going to be mad i just for some reason the way they walked out they walked out very differently you know and they were talking about and they talked about on commentary you know these are two very different people because Yamashita is very serious in the ring, but not very serious out of it. And Ito's the the opposite. But f- just for some reason, they came out, and I was like, "Haha, I know exactly what's happening, and I like this storyline. I'm very happy that you know." My one question with Ito losing was that I was worried that it'd be like, "Okay, Ito loses, and she goes sort of to the mid card or wherever. She sort of wrestles these." Um, less meaningful matches and it sort of becomes like, oh, she lost. But clearly this seems to me like part of a larger plan, which means that I'm like, okay, like I'm on board for that. I like the idea of Mizuki beating or pinning Yamashita in this match, uh, setting up the match for January 4th. And that is a match. I mean, even outside of the stuff with Ito that I'm like, well, Mizuki could win that.
1: Yeah, either one could win to keep the story going. I think that they've
0: done a good job of, you know, there was a lot of questions when Yamashita won that was like, why did she win? She's had the title before, you know, and then she had some of these defenses and it was like, well, what is the idea here? But I do think they've set up very well that, You know, they built Yamashita up with a number of wins, but it also feels like a title reign that could end at any point because it feels like we'll only sort of know the end point when the end point happens, as opposed to sometimes, you know, when you get a challenger that's going to win, you're like, okay, in four months, this person's going to move up and they're going to win. You know, they're going to become champion and that's sort of the thing. Because I could see Mizuki winning, because I could see Mizuki winning. That becomes the big story of Oh my god, Mizuki who has this history with Maki Ito beats Ito to becoming champion. She has the title, and then you build to Ito Mizuki at one of whichever show it is one of your big shows down the line. And then you've you know you've built up another big match. You've managed to get Mizuki into the top spot, which feels like they've been waiting to do that for a while, and then you can get Ito into that top spot.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, they've got a lot of big matches chambered now, and it's it's kind of funny looking back, where it's like, well, what are they doing? It's like, okay, no, they did have a plan. Good. Okay, <laughs> we sh- we should have trusted them. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I just think that comes from a lot of, you know, our questioning came from a lot of sometimes that is what happens where it's like, oh, we think this person's going to win and then they lose and then they just sort of float around and you're like, well, that was uh, like, what happened here? Yeah. But it seems clearly part of the larger, the larger story of multiple people, really, which I also think is very interesting that we've taken a story that was really about okay, Maki, you know, her loss, we were like, okay, this is the, you know, Maki Ito story is this, or the way I was looking at it, you know, Maki Ito's done X, Y, Z, and it seems like the next step is this, but actually this is a multiple person uh, story, which I think is really cool. Um, As for the match itself, I will say uh, maybe controversially to Kelly, I thought the first portion of the match was not very good um really it felt it felt a lot to me like the um miyu yuka um title match uh from the from the big uh, joint show where it wasn't necessarily i wasn't like ah this is bad wrestling it was just like they just don't seem to quite be in step with each other like the big thing from this match was Uh, Mizuki and Yuka setting up the Toy Story 3 and it taking, like, forever. And (laughs) then they did it. And and Chris and Balian had to be like, "Um, uh, Maki and Mew were standing there because they were so stunned by what was happening. And I was like, "Mm, okay, Uh, I guess. (laughs) Um, And it felt like there were a couple of other things where I was like, "Mm, not quite uh not quite and i was sort of like yeah i'm not really liking this as much as i thought and then there was i guess sort of in the middle of the match the sequence when miyu and mizuki were in the ring together where i thought it really really picked up i was like this is really good they had the move of uh miyu went to hit the attitude adjustment or the fu or whatever you want to call it and like started to throw Mizuki off her shoulders and Mizuki transitioned into the sleeper that I was like, oh, that's really cool. And I've never seen that before. And I just thought from there it picked up really, really well. Um, so I actually ended up for all my talk of like, I didn't like the first part of the match. I ended up at four and a quarter. So I was pretty close to you. Okay. Um, yeah. Just because just I thought the end was great. I thought the story of... Um, Mizuki pinning me was great. I also really liked the after match stuff with Maki, like disappearing.
1: Yeah. She just kind of uh, like, wandered through off. the
0: curtain and Mizuki being like me, come, come back and like Miyu comes back and Maki's gone. Yeah. Uh, which I was like, Oh, that was great. And it's one of those where, as I said, I was like, the minute they came out, I was like, this is what's happening, but it was still a match where it ended And it wasn't like, well, I guessed it. Like, I knew what was going to happen. Like, it ended, and I was like, yes. I -hmm. was like, this is great. What I thought was going to happen did happen, um, which was really, which was really cool. So, I ended up really enjoying it. I enjoyed it all sort of as a whole in ring and story as well. So, I also thought it was a great cap um, to the show
1: as a whole. I wonder if. So let's say Mizuki wins the title in the January Kuroken. I wonder if they do Mizuki versus Yuka at the Sumo Hall show in March. Because that's a a match you could run a big show with.
0: Yeah, and the question would be, I mean, if Mizuki does win the title, I think the end point clearly is Mizuki against Maki Ito.
1: Yeah, but I don't think you want but to do that in March already cuz that would probably be Mizuki's first title defense, I would assume.
0: Yeah, it's like how soon do you run that match? Like maybe they wait until and I don't have the I don't have their Korkin schedule in front of me, but maybe you wait until a summer defense, like get Mizuki a couple of defenses cuz you can sort of also squeeze in especially if you've got these sort of Korkin shows, you could probably squeeze in defenses against Yeah. Sort of lower, like I'm sure you could probably do like uh, Shoko Nakajima defense or you could do someone like, you know, it's like someone like Yuki who isn't sort of at that top level, but you could be like, ah, she's won a bunch of matches and she's challenging for the title just to get Mizuki some wins. Because I think you want to sort of solidify Mizuki at that top level before you then move Maki Ito into that spot.
1: Yeah. Because I would assume maki ito probably wins the title maybe at like the big uh the next joint show they do with ddt and noah because that that was what in like the summer
0: um when was gosh i don't even remember now. yeah time is a flat circle i'm like what was that june or july that sounds right (laughs) um i don't even remember but Like that show, or I'm like, do they wait a really long time and do it at like Wrestle Wrestle Princess 3? But that just seems like so far away.
1: Yeah, that's the only problem with that is that seems a little too far.
0: And then you're probably, you know, to do that, you're having, you know, having to win the tournament again. And do you want to have, you know, you did the Mizuki story winning the tournament multiple times. So interesting. I mean, I will say, I think that you know, as much as we're like, ah, oh, we were wrong, you know, they were right. I do think Maki Ito, the next time she challenges for the title, has to win. Yes. Right? Okay. <laughs> and
1: next time she faces Yamashita, has to win.
0: Yeah, so, um, but certainly have brought me back in after I think me and a lot of people were sort of like, huh, didn't, didn't win, this will be interesting to see what happens. Uh, so that was the Tokyo Joshi show. But then a few days later on November 27th, stardom had their Tokyo super war show at Yoyogi national gymnasium in front of a very impressive, I will say 1119 fans, uh, very good crowd for them, which kicked off with a future of stardom title three-way battle match where the champion Ruwaka successfully defeated, Mei Sakurai and Wakasukiyama in four minutes and fifty seconds, and with our every episode Ruaka report, I turn it over to Kelly.
1: She did all right. I don't know. I I, I didn't really care about the match. Uh, Cursed Momo came back again. That was fun.
0: Uh, I will say that I'm much more invested in this weird. Momo mask storyline than I am in sort of any of these title defenses.
1: Yeah. 100%. And
0: continually. I'm fascinated by the fact that this masked person comes out, attacks. Everyone goes back. And the minute disappear the minute this person disappears out of frame, everyone gets amnesia and is like, well, okay, moving on.
1: Now, I was uh, glad at least know. that starlight kid came out this time and showed that she does exist. And it's not just a weird, hallucination between the people in the ring and the audience
0: but it's just so weird to me that it like disappears and then Hannon comes in the ring and is like hey i'd like to challenge (laughs) and it's like okay and i'm like what about that like does anyone want to go follow that person and figure out where they came from or something
1: (laughs) that fucking maniac that's trying to kill people with a hammer
0: they're not moving very fast No, it's not like they come out and it's like ding 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 and then they run away. They're like dragging this sledgehammer behind them and it's like, ooh, I can't go. Although they did go faster than the first time, which they moved incredibly slowly the first time.
1: I'm Um, I'm still convinced that first time they could not see shit. I think maybe this time they were like able to widen the eye holes a little bit or something because they got around a lot better this time.
0: Now we've now seen this person twice, Kelly. Do you have any updated predictions on who is underneath uh, this mask?
1: I still don't. I had a weird theory the other day, but I don't think it works in terms of height. Because you know who moves around all weird like that sometimes? Chie from Choco Pro. Like it I feel like, like they've so got so
0: small.
1: Yeah, I, but I feel like they had some of the similar body, lamp, bot, just the weird movements. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if my vision also is clouded by the fact that I'm like, okay, Mirai Mayumi is out there. Like, like I also thought maybe it would be Sumire, but I'm like, that doesn't really make sense with the height. I'm also like, it has to be a person who... If they came in the company, you'd be like, I know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna match them up with Ruwaka and Mei Sakurai and Wakasukiyama.
1: Yeah, because like Maria Mayumi, it doesn't make any sense for her to be that person. Because she's like a shooter. Like, why would she be going around just, just dressed as the crazy mask person? Like that just it doesn't
0: fit. So yes, but very interesting. I'm also interested to see how many. Like, how long does this last before someone's like, hey, uh, person who keeps attacking us, like, what's going on?
1: I hope it just ends with, like, at some point, it happens enough times, Rossi just stands up from a seat and pulls out a gun and shoots her, whoever it is, and then they pull the mask off and it's just some random person we've never seen before, and that's the end of the story.
0: You want to turn Rossi into a, an Arn Anderson type.
1: Yeah. <laughs> he just wakes up from his nap at the ringside, <laughs> pulls out his Glock,
0: puts the hat shoots on. Momo,
1: and moves on and then goes uh, back to sleep.
0: So I guess uh, we will... I mean, at this point, I'm sort of like, I just want to know who it is at this point. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of glad that they're not just like, we have... Uh, X like they were doing a year ago when it was like we're debuting a new person it's like our eighth new person and they're the mystery person triple Z yeah and I was like okay
1: yeah I uh, do like that now it's just here's this fucking weirdo <laughs> with a sledgehammer that's
0: too heavy for them
1: yeah and also kind of has like some weird like maybe bloody tape on it or something <laughs> uh
0: Anyway, the next match, a tag team match, the Queen's Quest team of Azumi and Momo Watanabe defeating Lady C and Unagi Saika. and I will throw it over to Kelly first, because I don't have much to say about this match.
1: I actually do. I thought this rocked. <laughs> like, I thought everyone worked really hard in this match for it just being a random undercard tag. And like, I thought it was pretty much like nonstop action. I went three and a half stars on it. I I thought this was great. Wow. Yeah, uh, I don't know so. why, but this this match really hit with me. I thought it was really good.
0: <laughs> well, that sometimes happens. That's happened in the past where I have a match that I really liked that you didn't think much of. So, you know. That's why we watch.
1: Yeah. That's why um, the undercard the... tags are worth watching. You never know when there's going to be <laughs> something you like.
0: The next match was a six-person tag match. The stars team of Hanan, Hazuki, and Mayu Iwatani defeating the Oedo Tai squad of Fukigen Death, Rina, and Saki Kashima. Another match I watched, and I thought it was perfectly fine. Uh, I do like... Um, Kazuki in Stars. Uh, that Stars team really needs someone like her. With all of these people that they've lost over the last few uh, months, I guess I'll say so. A good addition, you know. It would have been probably easy to put her back in Oedo tie. but I just think now, like the weird thing with Oedo Tai now is, it feels like they have so many people, but they have a lot of people who it's like it would probably be better if they swapped like people out for someone else you know yeah. what i mean it's like they they feel these three people you know Death, Rina, and Saki kashima all of who are to me sort of bottom level people but that's three whole people in one team like most of these units in stardom don't have really one pinfall eater and Tai has three
1: yeah it's weird that oedotai feels like it's like two entirely different units like the one that starlight kid and konami are in is a completely different unit from the other everyone else
0: yeah and it's like this team just goes out at the beginning of these cards and it's like well they lose or sometimes they get a you know fluke win yeah uh yeah, but just strange, but a match I thought was perfectly, perfectly fine. Yeah. Kelly, what did what did you think of the match?
1: My notes, I don't really remember anything about it. My notes say the Geeks lost a totally inoffensive undercard tag, two and a half stars.
0: All right. Well, I do remember go. that
1: Hazuki was wearing a shirt and that reminded me this was her version of like Kenny Omega wearing the wacky pants and tag matches. <laughs>
0: The next match was a, another three-way match uh, for the to determine the number one contender to the wonder of stardom title, Saya Kamatani defeating Himika and Natsupoi in seven minutes and 52 seconds. This was another one, like we just talked about with Tokyo Joshi. I sort of saw the outcome uh, really pretty early on when they were playing the uh, VTR. Yeah, uh, it was like Kimika and Natsupoi are not getting along. Uh, what's going to happen? I was like, oh well, Sayakamitani is going to win this match, and it was one where I didn't necessarily think it was. I wasn't like, oh, it ruined the match. I was like, oh, that's the story they're telling, and that's the story they told. Um, I thought the match was enjoyable. I think Natsupoi is. Uh, way underutilized. I think that she's so great. She had some great sequences in this match that really, I was like, Whoa, she's really good. Quick, fast moving sequences that really impressed me. Um, but really, and also a pretty short match, seven uh, minutes and 52 seconds. This was a pretty short show overall. It felt to me.
1: Yeah, I, I, I like the structure of this match a lot because it was pretty much just like a heated singles match between Himika and Natsupoi. And then every now and then Saya would be like, hey, I'm here, too. <laughs> guys, guys, stop forgetting about me and throwing me out of the ring. I'm in this match, too. Come on. And then that eventually led to her winning. Like It, it was a fun, fun story. They told uh, I went uh, three and a quarter on it. I I enjoyed it. The next match was the
0: first of four title matches, the high speed title match starlight kid, defeating Koguma in eight minutes and 33 seconds. I thought that this match was fantastic. I thought it was really good. I went four stars. I really liked the opening sequence. I think they did a lot of really fun high speed stuff, but not sort of the typical high speed stuff that you see. They did that um, sequence out of the ring.
1: That was cool uh,
0: with the reversals that I thought was really cool. Um, And I thought it was, as I've said, as people probably can tell, I really enjoy these high-speed matches. Um, Now that they have sort of settled into this position of having them actually be high-speed matches, there was a time um, in the past where it was sort of like, you have the high-speed title and we're just going to come in and sort of wrestle a regular match. And I'm like, I don't need that with the high-speed title. I want a (laughs) high-speed match. Um, And I thought that this was really good. I think Koguma has been really good, and I think that she's, in a really good spot where she feels like someone who is in the mid card and can stay in the mid card and can lose a match like this and doesn't feel like they are being like, it's like, Oh, she lost. That's okay. She's like sort of a mid carter where a lot of these other people that we talked about are like, you're in the mid card. And I don't know if you should be losing matches like this. Um, but I really like that. She sort of settled in that mid card. She can go out, have good matches um with a variety of people not sort of overstay not need a lot of time and really impressed so as i said i went four stars so i uh, really liked this match
1: yeah this match was really good i didn't like it as much as you i went three and a half but i still really really liked it uh starlight kid is easily one of the best wrestlers in the world just in terms of execution right now i would say like she everything she does is incredible like just so good and she's still so young so it's like how much better can she get so it's like another just really impressive performance from her for me and i thought koguma was great here too like this was this was a really good match a really good uh high speed title match i hope they keep it up because yeah like you said there is a bit there where it was just like well this just feels like another title and it's like, no, this This is the style it should have always been.
0: And I just want to say, for the past almost two years, I've been on this podcast talking about how good Starlight Kid is, and I've been proven right, so you're welcome. Yep. Because, uh, like, next who's, match, like, right
1: now, like, who's better than her? Just in terms of pure execution of moves and just making, making shit look great.
0: Well, it's funny because like Azumi and Starlight Kid have always felt very linked. You know, they're both younger wrestlers. They started, you know, around the same time in the company. And it, I feel like in past years, it's always been that people were like, Azumi is so good, Azumi is so good. And it was like, Starlight Kid is also good. And it would be like, yeah, but not as, you know, not as good as Azumi. And now like Starlight Kid has been given this push and it's very exciting to be like, yes, they are both equally as good. Yeah. And they're sort of like, the uh, like a link to that sort of classic stardom where it's really exciting to have them to have been in the company for so long. These are like the people who, when I talk about, you know, you bring in a free agent and sometimes those can be, those can be exciting, but there is an excitement to being like, these people started here. They built up. I mean, how many Azumi, like four minute Azumi matches did I watch years ago as she started out that were like, okay, okay. Like, all right, another opening match, another, you know, whatever, whatever. And now it's like, they're so good. And um, I wish they had more people like that. Like, I wish they were doing more with Lady C because I think, you know, training, they're obviously capable, capable or whoever did it back then, they're capable of training these people to be very good. And I want to see more good people start out in this company and sort of grow in the company because I think that's exciting.
1: Yeah, they really should focus more on training people because, again, like, yeah, you guys were doing it really good for a while there. (laughs) Keep it up. The next match was for the
0: SWA Undisputed World Women's title as well as the five-star Grand Prix contract briefcase and was also a UWF Rules match.
1: Hell yeah. uh,
0: Where the champion, Shuri, defeated konami in 13 minutes and six seconds by ko kelly i go to you first
1: four stars uh this match ruled please just just make the swa title the shoot match title like let's let's just keep going with this this was awesome this was exactly what i hoped it would be uh i love the story where konami actually came pretty close to winning on points and then siri fought her way back And I thought the kind of like genuine show of respect between the two in the post-match was really cool.
0: It's funny because I thought the same exact thing in the middle of the match. I was like, sure you should just say all of my matches for this title going forward are UWF rules matches because I think it would be a lot of fun. And it would also really put over whoever beats her. Yeah. It would be like beating her at her own style match. I also really enjoyed this match. So I actually have seen... Very little UWF uh, matches, but I've seen a ton of UWFI matches. Okay. Um, which have slightly different rules. Um, like they start with uh, 15 points, and uh, like a rope break is one point off, and a knockdown is two points off. And if you suplex your opponent, it's three points. And There was there was a and I was sort of wrapped up in the match and there was a moment late in the match where Suri suplex Konami and I think they were both on like one point or something or two points and I was like oh my god the match is over because I was (laughs) so like used to that rule set where I'm like oh no and then I was like oh uh, okay never mind never mind Um, and I love uh, UWFI they actually have a um, a series on Amazon Prime Video that i don't remember the title of it because you like can't search by uwfi it's like oh it's uh, like
1: bushido or something right yeah, it's
0: like way of the bushido or something and it's like 25 english commentary uwf shows that have like an overarching storyline to you know it sort of follows the story of the promotion and has the matches that if, you're, if you like this match or you're sort of interested in the style, I highly recommend you check out because they're really great. There's a ton of matches. You see the sort of big – it isn't just sort of like undercard matches. It is the big matches. And the thing that stuck out to me was watching all of those, those matches so rarely go to points. Like a lot of times it's like, okay, this person's at – Thirteen points, and this person's at six, and then all of a sudden there's like a knockout or something, or there's yeah. like a submission. <laughs> that I actually thought them going so close on points was interesting because I'm like, oh, this is usually not what happens in the matches that I've seen. So I thought that that was really fun. I thought they probably could have like teased the the last point like knockdown a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Like I thought it it just sort of happened, which. I was fine with but i'm i was expecting more like oh they get kicked and they're like oh wobbly wobbly <laughs> um but i loved it i went four and a half stars because i thought it rocked and i love this sort of style it also felt a lot like um like the old ring of honor pure title matches because so many yeah. of their points were were rope breaks um where it's like okay you can't use any more rope breaks now you're down to one point uh, I just thought it was great. I thought it was such a great switch in styles, you know, to go from the high speed match to this match. I'm like, yes, this is, as I always talk about, this is the variety I want. Um, Hey, Taylor. No, don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it.
1: I have a company I really want to introduce you to. It's called Gleek.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Wow, that was a twist on what you were going to say.
1: We, we should talk, we should, I, I should actually make notes to we, whenever Gleet does their shows, we should talk about the women's matches on there. But yeah, if you enjoyed this match, check out the, uh, the UWF shows that Gleet has been running. They've done like two or three full shows of matches like these, and they're they're really fun shows.
0: They also mentioned uh, Hard Hit, I know, on commentary during this match, and Kelly and I have been to a live Hard Hit show.
1: That is very true. And we got. We were hooting and hollering when they had a pose down.
0: And also, uh, Sushi was murdered by <laughs> a man who, sh- knew, who knew karate.
1: <laughs> Shit beat out of him by a man who knew karate. Hard hit rules, and I never know when or where to watch it.
0: <laughs> I think they're often on Nico uh, pay per views. Okay. I, th- I think. Um, but yeah hard hits another one. If you like this match, check out hard hit because hard hits a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was great. I was like, yeah, I was, I was vibing on the different styles. I was like, this is uh this is really great. So I went four and a half stars. I really loved it.
1: You know, when we were at that hard hit show, there was a point when I was scrolling through Instagram on my, on my phone. And one of like one a various Makoto picture popped up. And then I look up and there she is walking like right at, right near us, and I almost died of embarrassment, because, like, what if she had seen herself on my phone? I would have just burst in the flames right there. Like, no. That that could... No.
0: <laughs> Kelly, I don't mean to... Um, I don't mean to speak poorly of you, but I don't think that Makoto would be walking around looking at the phones. You never
1: know. Of... If, if you glance, <laughs> if you glance somewhere and you see a picture of yourself, you're going to be like, wait, what the fuck?
0: Well, to be fair, you were at a wrestling show.
1: True. And... so you're
0: clearly a wrestling fan. <laughs> so it's like, uh, like if I would, I might be like, Oh great. A fan. Maybe he'll <laughs> buy some merch for me. I don't know. Don't be so negative. Don't be so hard on yourself,
1: Kelly. That's true. Yeah, Uh, and let's let's go back to Japan. Like let let's let's go to hard hit. Let's do it. Well,
0: uh, (laughs) bad news on that. Uh, Doesn't look like that's going to be happening anytime soon. But one thing we can do is talk more about the shows that are happening in Japan that we can't see uh, live. Oh, okay. Uh, Which is the next match was the. Wonder of Stardom title match. Tom Nakino defeating Mina Shirakawa in 17 minutes and 12 seconds. Kelly, I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on this match because I have some thoughts.
1: Yeah. um, I like the idea of Dark Mina, but it got real goofy at times. Um, I feel like there is a clear end point in this match. And then they just went way past it. Because, like, there's that bit where Tom kind of just stops taking his shit and just stops selling everything and then proceeded to start to murder her. And it's like, all right, that's the end. That's the finish. You just have her put her away right then and there. But then they, they just kept on going. And it's like, okay, so like, once again, everyone's kind of just on the same level. And poor Tom again, doesn't get, like, a dominant-looking performance. Like, I... I guess it's a fine-enough match in a vacuum, but I thought this was kind of just a worse version of the Unagi match. I think I I went three stars. I could have seen myself going a little lower just because I thought the story wasn't all that great, but... On a technical level, it was fine.
0: Stardom really stuck it to me. The person who for many weeks has been saying, I love that Mina is like very different than everyone else <laughs> in that she wrestles and she's having fun, but she's still, you know, working hard. So of course she gets this title match and what do they do with her? They make her behave like all the other wrestlers. Yeah. They're like, she's very dark and she's aggressive. And I'm like, okay. So she's like everyone else, whoever gets a title match. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought that she looked good. Like, I thought that she sort of acquitted herself well in this match. Like Unagi did. You know, these sort of two matches of less um, experienced wrestlers in this spot. I just am so... And I don't know. If if you are listening to this, uh, tweet at us at Audio, which is our Twitter. Am I totally, like, out to lunch? with this Tom Nakino title reign makes no sense to me that they've turned her into like this weird psychopathic, like killer. That's like, I don't care about anything. I'm like, part of the fun of her was that she sort of did have that. Like when she was, you know, doing things lower in the car that it was like, Oh, she does have that side, but also she has a side that's like, ah, I'm fun. Like doing the deathmatch stuff, it was always sort of the dichotomy of like, I'm doing this crazy deathmatch stuff, but also I'm like a wacky person. Uh, and it just none of this has connected with me, and it just feels like all of these Tom defenses are like, it ends, and I'm like, okay, she's sort of in the same spot, you know, she's now defeated two lower card wrestlers, um, and in this match, one of whom. Uh, was kicking the shit out of her for a while, and I'm yeah, like, well, that also it doesn't <laughs> look great. But like, I'm sort of willing to let that go as like a structure of the way wrestling works, which is that she's not going to have you know all these squash matches as champion. But it was it's just so weird to me that I'm like I feel so disconnected from it, and it's so frustrating to me <laughs> that they've had two huge moments with her. The Julia match, which was huge, and the win over Utami. And it just feels like both of them, like they ended and they were like, okay, she's just going to go defend this title against some people.
1: Yeah, it's she's she shouldn't be having this much trouble winning these matches. Like she should have been able to put away Mina and Unagi with relative ease. I mean it's not like they're the main events either. You can have those be quick matches. Like I I truly believe that once she Tom started no selling Mina, she should have just put her away like immediately. Just and that been the end of it. Like look, I've entertained your shit enough. I'm this is done. Let's move on with our lives, you know? Like I I don't know what they're doing with her anymore.
0: And it's just it feels to me like oh, it's a company of like tweeners yeah um, where it's like they are technically baby faces but they're all so cool that they could sort of be heels <laughs> exemplified by mina becoming like dark mina yeah where i'm like no the whole point is that like and you can like let people be like hey i'm a positive like i'm a big baby face like they did it with Mayu. <laughs> Like that's largely what Mayu is. Mayu has this sort of fun personality and then she gets in the ring and she can still go and you can still have her be hard hitting, but it just feels like everyone has the same personality of like, I'm very cool. I'm super collected. I'm very serious. And it's like, I feel like all of these people are becoming the same wrestler.
1: Yeah. It it's weird. I I don't like this direction. (laughs)
0: Well, speaking of Super Serious, the main event of the show, the World of Stardom title match, uh, Utami Hayashita defeating Micah in 23 minutes and 43 seconds. Uh, And I have to say, you know, I super enjoy doing this podcast. Kelly, I enjoy doing this podcast with you. But there are times when I watch matches and the matches end and I have legitimately nothing to say. Yeah. And this is one of those matches. It feels to me like we have now covered so many of these big stardom matches in almost like rapid succession. Like it feels like every week there's a big or every time we record, there's a big stardom match. And it just hits the point where they have now all started to feel the same. And I just don't really have that much to say about them anymore. Like, I don't think they're bad matches. They're not particularly my style, or seeing the same match so many times has sort of made me feel like this is not my style. Like, I would love for, you know, to go out there and be like, Utami you know, attacked Micah's arm or something. And it's like an arm match or something, or it turns into a big brawl, like turns into some sort of big brawl. I'm just like every, every one of these matches is they get in the ring and they go 100 miles an hour for 20 to 25 minutes. It's like big move, big move, big move, big move, big, here's another big move and a big move and they're suplexing and they're, and they're power bombing and they're doing this. And there's no, it's just sort of like at a 10 out of 10 for like 20 minutes, like every big move you can imagine. And now at this point, like so many of these Utami title defenses, I'm going to look back and be like, they're all sort of one big blob in my mind.
1: Yeah, it's it really is getting to the point where it feels like we're reviewing the same show every show. And this I don't know. I I thought this was a really unremarkable match. Uh it was a solid enough match, but like I didn't think it was paced to be very exciting. As like as hard and as fast as they were going, like it still kinda felt like they were just going through the motions. Like I I don't know, this this match didn't really do anything for me. Just I went three and a half. Like I think it was good enough. Like they try, they, they worked hard for sure, but like, I don't, I didn't care at all. And I mean, I'm sure part of that is we know Tommy's winning. Like that's just how it is. But like (sighs) these matches aren't connecting with me at all anymore.
0: And it, it also feels to me, and this is a thing I've already talked about, so I won't go too into length of this, but it's like, Who is, at this point, who is Micah? Like, she's in Donna Del Mundo. She's had these title opportunities before. She hasn't won. Like, what distinguishes her? The outcome, as you said, Kelly, was not in doubt here. So what, as a person, makes me excited to go into this match and be like, I wonder what's going to happen. I don't feel particularly connected to Micah, I f- and or Utami really either.
1: They're effectively the same person.
0: And and they're effectively like, it's like who are they? It's like they're a wrestler. Yeah. Like you look at, you know, well, you know, Tokyo Joshi, the show we just reviewed, and you look at the main event, and you have four people at the top of the card. And yet, if I say to you, you know, Maki Ito and Miyamashita are very different people, you know, in the style that they wrestle, but also personality wise and having a variety of personalities is part of what makes wrestling fun and interesting. And it feels like a lot of this roster is sort of the same personnel. It's like, having you know 10 of the same people it's like they're great wrestlers they're super talented but if it were as easy as just getting talented wrestlers and putting them in the ring and being like well I've done it it would be a lot easier to do cuz you just find the best wrestlers and put them in the ring yeah but wrestling's about personality it's about story it's about all these things and You know, I think part of this is that we're sort of waiting, you know, everyone's just sort of waiting for the, you know, Utami Shuri match with the briefcase. But, you know, it's like chicken or egg. It's like, well, you know, a lot of times when I talk about this stuff, people say to me, well, they have to fill the matches with big matches, you know, and I'm like, no one is forcing them to do all these shows you know no one's going up to them being like you have to run 15 big shows in the next five months it's like if you don't have like I'm, I'm hoping next year and obviously the news coming out about the borders closing again and all of this stuff happening makes me sort of less hopeful for this but i was really interested to see sort of what the schedule of Uh, stardom would be in 2022, they did announce on this show, actually, speaking of the show, that they would be running Cork Hall two nights in a row, uh, January 8th and 9th, because I would love to see them sort of pull back a little on these big shows. Like, instead of every two weeks, like, do one once every six weeks or something. Yeah. I'm not saying you have to totally get rid of them, but it just seems like they're booking for like, well, we probably can get a thousand fans every time we do a big show. So we're going to do as many big shows as we can. And we'll just fill them with, you know, whoever, you know, this match, which it's not in doubt. It doesn't have a particularly
1: major story. And that's, that's looking at this card. There aren't many like stories they're telling. Like a lot of it is just, here's the title. The people are fighting for the title. Like I mean, you've got the cursed Momo story. The the wonder of stardom. The number one contender match had the Himika Natsupoi thing. But like other than that, it's just kind of a bunch of matches.
0: So you know, as I said, I think we've talked about this at this point. You know, some people (laughs) don't agree with us, but I just think they're i think they can run big shows like this but i think they have to find the medium of not just like seeming so factory like okay in two weeks we got a show and um the challenger is and you just sort of spin a wheel and you're like the challenger this time is micah
1: yeah they need to do book like they need to actually book things like we were just talking about tokyo joshi and we're like plotting out okay this is what they could do with the title and then mizuki wins and then oh who's her who's she facing and it's like with this like i i i couldn't like it just can't make heads or tails of any of this because it's just like i don't know fucking spin the wheel pick the name out of the hat and i think part of that is their booking
0: has never been their strong point
1: no their bookings uh, never really been good
0: i mean up until a couple. Of years ago the booking was largely a bunch of random undercard matches and then you know a title match or like they would bring in the gaijin of the month build yeah. them up and then they would lose to like Eoshirai. shirai so it's like they're already sort of starting in a place where and i mean that is for the size they were a number of years ago that's very sort of typical of joshi Wrestling, I mean, you look at some of these smaller, you look at, you know, like Sendai girls or things like that. And that's largely, you know, wave. Um, that's largely what the cards are is you put together some undercard matches and then maybe you have one or two sort of like, hey, this is a title match or this is a tag team title match or something. But I just think that it's not a sustainable model to just sort of run these out and be like, great match. I mean, because we look at something like New Japan. New Japan has great matches all the time. And they, frankly, had some incredible stories as well. And now sort of the stories have dropped off, and it feels like that promotion lost a lot of momentum, and they still do a lot of stories. That it feels like it's much harder to sustain if you're just sustaining on, well, good matches. Like, here's a good match. What if, like, tomorrow, you know, like, Utami and Shuri get signed somewhere and Starlight Kid gets injured? Like, what happens? That happened in New Japan. They lost, like, five people in, in one week. And they were able to sustain because they've got the stories and they built up this sort of roster of people who are next which I don't see here.
1: Good thing you've given Tom a really good title run that's built her up as a top star.
0: Um, but yeah, so, you know, I look forward to what they do in 2022. I hope that they put more focus on these Cork and Hall shows, which I think have largely sort of become an afterthought to them. Um, but we'll see. But, you know... <laughs> We're sort of ending on this down note. I still thought the show, especially those um, high speed and the SWA title match were very good. Yeah. And as I said, it was a show that moved pretty quickly. Uh, I don't think a lot of matches overstayed their welcome majorly where I was like, oh my God, this match is still going. So a solid show, but, you know, just wish there were more, especially at the top. I think the top is the biggest you know, I, I care less about like, oh, my God, stars and no way tie six person match was not super interesting to me. Like. That's what it is.
1: Yeah, like for me right now, stardom shows always kind of peak in the upper mid card and then go down after that because <laughs> it's like, well, the next matches are going to be 20 minutes each and. Who knows if they'll be any good?
0: Well, those are our two big reviews of the week. Uh, And now we will uh, touch on some of the other things that happened in Joshi. Stardom did have a number of other shows in the past two weeks, but they were largely sort of smaller shows. They had a show on the 28th, the day after uh, Tokyo Super Wars. Uh, Seedling had a show on November 26th. Asuka and Makoto defeated Kaori Yoniyama and Yu in the finals of that tag team tournament to become the number one contenders sendai girls had two big shows on the 23rd and 28th i actually managed to catch uh the main event of the 28th which was takumi aroha against uh chihiro hashimoto for the sendai girls title um have to say i was really looking forward to the match and chihiro hashimoto comes out for the match in an amazing
1: coat uh, that goat cool. ruled, and then she lifted very her cool. arms up, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Her arms have eyes. It's a big, like, fuzzy monster thing. Like it was awesome. Uh,
0: and I don't know if, if this is, you know, the hype that this match was. This match was originally the main event for the uh, Gaia Girls show when it was first announced long ago, uh, and then it was scheduled again and it was delayed. Uh, I thought the match mostly was fine. Um,
1: didn't sure felt like a stardom main event.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It didn't blow me away. I don't know if that's partially expectation that I had been waiting for this match for so long. And I know that Aroha and Hashimoto can have very good matches, but I thought the match largely was just, you know, sort of three star solid match, not anywhere sort of in the world of what I was hoping for or expecting. Um, but you can check that out and I will, I do want to go back and check out the rest of, of those shows as well. Yes. Uh, Kelly the
1: dash Chisako and Hibiki hardcore match ruled. Like I went four and a quarter on it. It was one of the more fun plunder brawls I've seen in a while.
0: Although sadly I will say, and I, uh, almost put this in our new section, but, uh, Hibiki is leaving wrestling. Um, Returning to her original name, uh, Mako Tanaka, she will. she's becoming a YouTuber. So sad to hear that she had such a great match because, uh, you know, would hope that she could have more great matches, but she is leaving wrestling. But I do want to check that out because I also like their hardcore match at the Gaia Girls show.
1: Yeah, no, which- it's, it's great. And the match before then, the Miko Wada versus uh, Andres Miyagi match was great, too.
0: Kelly, you also watched the Ice Ribbon November 13th show, which finally aired on Samurai last week. So tell us about that show.
1: I did. It was a good show. Um, I'm only going to talk about the top three matches on it because everything else was really clipped to the point where it's like I don't really have much of an opinion on it because my opinion could be way off base on what the match actually was. Uh, The Akane Fujita defeated uh Tickla in a uwu or U yeah w there we go title match uh and it was also number one contender match for the ah shit what's their hardcore ish title fantastic ice. thank you that's it uh i really like those the WUW matches just because they bring something different and i mean i'm not i'm not gonna lie i'm still not entirely sure what the rules are i think it's submission based but also like no dq and then sometimes you can rub slime in your opponent's face for some reason but i yeah. think
0: slime is always legal
1: yes <laughs> you just uh, don't so, see it in most matches
0: you don't know you just yeah i mean it. that's
1: true like no one else brings their jar of slime with them and sometimes rubs it on the referee on accident there was a good bit, like, Thickla accidentally rubbed it in the referee's face, and he was very upset. And then she was, like, she went for the pin, and she was like, hey, what are you doing? And he, you could tell he's like, you rubbed slime all over me, I'm not gonna count your pin.
0: <laughs> Kelly, I bet you were happy to see that after we learned last episode that you hate referees.
1: That's true. Well, only one specific referee, <laughs> whose name I don't even remember. Stupid man that jumps around. That's Dicey. all... Daichi. That's it. Fuck Daichi. <laughs> Second-rate Daichi. He's no Daichi Hashimoto, that's for sure.
0: Anyway, back to Ice Ribbon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, in tag title match, Risa, Sarah, and Mayuki, uh, defended uh, successfully defended their titles against Saori, and Suzu Suzuki. Uh, that was a great tag title match and was not the outcome I was expecting at all. Uh, The match really peaked in the middle for me with this awesome exchange between Suzu and uh, Yukihi. That was really good. I went four stars on that. And then in the main event, Sakushi defeated Sukasa Fujimoto in a fantastic main event. It really felt like a contest to see which one of them could be meaner to the other one because, boy, howdy, they beat the shit out of each other. Uh, sakushi had to scrape and claw every little bit she could to win the match and it was awesome i went four and a half on it highly highly recommend checking that one out
0: great and ice ribbon had another Corkin on the 28th where maya Yukihi and risa sera defeated hamako hoshi and mochi miyagi to retain their tag titles. And Tsukushi made her first defense of her Ice Infinity title, defeating Suzu
1: Suzuki. Th- that reminds uh, me. So in the post-match, like, you know, when they go to the back and cut the little promos to the camera or, like, the press or whoever's there, I I was kind of... I was taking notes at that point. I wasn't fully paying attention. But I, I know Tsukushi's up there talking, and she, like, kind of wanders off and then drags Susu Suzuki in to, like, challenge her, but also is, like, pulling her by the hair and, like, slams her head into a table in the process. <laughs> and it's like, hey, fuck you. I'm challenging you so I can defend my title against you. And Susu's just holding her head like, "Oh, okay, I guess. All right. <laughs> this is just, it's the, the title run of an incredibly mean and violent tyrant. And I love it. <laughs>
0: Diana had a show on November 28th. Their world title was just vacated due to injury, so they are running a world title a series of world title qualifying matches on the November 28th show. Haruka Umasaki defeating Debra Kay and Ayako Sato defeating Madeline uh, in the first two matches of that series. Uh, Actress Girls, as we mentioned last week, shutting down. It was announced that wrestlers will either stay with their action ring girl uh, promotion, whatever you want to call it. And if they do that, they will uh, not wrestle anymore outside of the company, or they will leave the company entirely and become full-time wrestlers elsewhere. So something uh, to keep your eye on in the last few weeks of actress girls uh, existence, I guess. And Wave had a show on the twenty seventh. They are also running a um, tournament, the Regina de Wave Number One Contender Tournament. Uh, the first match was a five way match: Maria defeating Haruka Umasaki, Itsuki Aoki, Tomoko Watanabe, and Yuki Miyazaki to move on in the tournament. We'll talk about more about that later, but first. Uh, throwing back over to Kelly for the report on Chaco Pro.
1: In Chaco Pro 176, it was a really solid show worth checking out. Uh, it was two match card. Uh, your opener, you had uh, Chia Koshikawa and Yuna Mizumori defeating Balianaki and Tokiko Kirihara. Just a really solid tag match there. And then in the main event, uh, Saki defeated Sayaka in a singles match. And yeah, that was really good. I, I'm really enjoying watching Sayaka grow as a performer. She's still very green, and you can tell there's a lot of work that needs to be done, but I think she's got something there, and I hope she sticks with it. And It really seems like she's going to start taking wrestling a little, I don't want to say more seriously, but just kind of like devoting more time to it, because she was someone in Choco Pro or Gato move that would kind of disappear for long months at a time and then would pop up again. It's like, oh yeah, you're you're still around here. Yeah, she's been wrestling a lot more and they've been giving her main events, and she's got new gear now. So it looks like she's going to really make a go of it.
0: I also want to add to Chaco Pro uh, the Chaco Pro USA coverage, which is that if you have not seen the video of the jonkin uh, between Mesa and Tomohiro Ishii from <laughs> AEW, so Highly recommend you go on. I think it's still on Twitter, although they have been uploading the Jonkins to their YouTube. Uh, I noticed
1: as well. Yeah, they uh, uploaded a bunch yesterday. Yeah, five star it's, it's classic.
0: Finding. Yeah, yeah.
1: Match of the but year. That
0: is that is everything that has happened over the last two weeks. And now, uh, speaking of shows that are coming up, not a lot to talk about. In the next two weeks, Oz Academy has a show on December 12th, um, but no card has been announced yet. Tokyo Joshi has some shows, including on the 10th, uh, December 10th, their next inspiration show, a four-match card, Haruna Neko versus Mihiro Kiryu, Pam Harajuku versus Trans Am Hiroshi, and then the two big matches on this card, another hardcore match, this one's for Kelly, Hell yeah. Akari Noah versus Kakuda in a hardcore match. And then the main event, Magi Rabi versus Tropica Wild, Yuka Sakazaki and Mizuki going up against Saki and Yuna Mizumori. Some history there as Saki and Mizuki started out their careers uh, together. So that should be uh, a, a super fun show. I think all the inspiration shows so far have been a lot of fun and very good. So I'm uh, really looking forward to that one.
1: I'm I'm very curious to see how Pom Harajuku handles Trans Am Hiroshi and his yodeling.
0: And then Tokyo Joshi on the 11th has a 10-match show. It will be nine singles matches and one three-way match that will be drawn by fan lottery at the show. Each match will be uh, seven minutes, one fall, so... That will be a fun show That's as well. Cool. Uh, Wave has a number of shows coming up uh, on December 1st. Yumi Oka against Keori Yoniyama against someone who supposedly Keori is bringing or has found. Uh, that will be for the Elizabeth title. And then the next match in the number one contender tournament match will be between... Uh, the losers of the first match, so Haruka Umasaki, Itsuki Aoki, Tomoko Watanabe, and Yuki Miyazaki, the winner of that match will go on to face Maria in the finals on December fifth, and then the winner of that match will go on to have a Regina DeWave Wave title match against Nagisa Nosaki on December eleventh, uh, and then Kelly. Tell us about what is coming up with Choco Pro.
1: And then in Choco Pro 179 on December 4th, Yunomi Zamori and Balianaki are taking on the team of Chris Brooks in the Choco Pro debuting Drew Parker. That should be a really fun match. I'm super excited for that one. Yeah,
0: I feel like Drew Parker has been, I feel like he's been in some of the videos, but hasn't wrestled.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and Drew Parker is a guy I really like, so I'm happy to see him working more places. And it seems like after this, he's probably headed to the States for a little while. Is he
0: going to be on, he's on the, uh, is he on the Hammerstein?
1: I believe so. Yeah. Okay,
0: that's what I thought. Well, that is everything coming up in the next two weeks. And as you can probably see, uh, it is not a lot. Uh, So programming-wise, in two weeks, uh, Kelly and I will be doing our year-in-review episode, just like uh, we had next year. We'll be covering all the major categories, wrestlers of the year, match of the year, uh, going all the way on down, promotions, things like that. So that will be our next episode, which I believe will be out on December 13th, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Uh, and then we will be taking the following uh, week off which would be the 27th there won't be an episode on the 27th but we will then return we're taking that week off for the uh, winter break holiday season but then we will return at the top of january with our next episode i'm sure covering uh tokyo joshi's traditional January Corican show and a number of other things. So that is uh, what to look forward to. Our next episode coming up is going to be all about the year in review. Joshi, you don't want to miss that one. Uh, I was a great episode last year and I'm sure this one will be even better.
1: It's the first Uh, year I get to review.
0: That's exactly right. Uh, You can get all of Kelly's opinion. Kelly has only been here a number of months, but you'll get to get all of Kelly's opinions about the whole year.
1: I'm going to have to figure uh, out what the hell Joshi actually wrestling. happened this year.
0: <laughs> it's been a, uh, I guess I'll say it's been another strange year in uh, Joshi. I mean, it's been another strange year, just period. I could end it there. Yeah. Uh, but another strange year in Joshi wrestling.
1: So the Kelly, weeks or months, the months or years,
0: <laughs> anything more to say, anything more to add before we sign off for this episode.
1: I don't think I have anything else. Uh, I just, I hope everyone else can just get the feeling of joy, of popping on a wrestling show when you get a little slow at work, watching for a little bit, and then seeing Dominic Greeny almost throw some someone onto your podcasting co-host partner, and then going, well, "Hey, I know that guy." <laughs> well, if you haven't watched
0: yet, you should watch the PCO match because uh, I'm I was almost killed.
1: Uh, Yeah, I still need to watch that. I'm very excited.
0: uh, So yes, I'm sure I was on camera a lot because I spent the entire night at the AEW Black Friday show scrambling out of the way of wrestlers being thrown into me. (laughs) Uh, Which is always a fun experience. But this has been another great episode of Jumping Bomb Audio. As always, follow us on Twitter at jbombaudio. You can follow me at Tay Mambo and Kelly at Comic geek Kelly subscribe to us so you don't miss our next episode, the Year in Review episode. You don't want to miss that. And if you liked this episode, or maybe if you didn't like it, either way, give it five stars. Yeah, you give it you five don't stars. Have to tell the truth. You
1: know what? Even if you didn't like it, give us some money. Give,
0: <laughs> give us five stars out of spite. Yeah,
1: I dare I you. dare
0: you. Do it. Do and it. And also You're... give us money out of spite. Yeah where you can donate at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumping bomb audio donate to us. And in the message, say I'm doing this out of spite.
1: Ooh. Ooh. I just had an idea production meeting real fast. Taylor, we should somehow turn this into us being like fin doms. Is there a Uh, way? Is like, are there,
0: no, I'm rejecting that, but but, but we could make so much
1: money. There's going to be people who want us to like make fun of them and then they'll give us money. Are there going to be people? I don't There's got to be. There's got to be. If you're anyway. listening, if you're one of, if you're a weird pervert and you want us to make fun of you, let us know. We'll do it. We'll roast the shit out of you.
0: Well, sure. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're feeling generous during this, the upcoming holiday season, uh, donate at redcircle.com slash shows slash jumpingbombaudio.
1: Yeah, do so, it, do it, you filthy boy.
0: <laughs> For Kelly, my name is Taylor and we will see you next time on Jumping Bomb Audio.